Amen. So Galatians chapter number five, as we were talking about earlier, Galatians is written to contend against people that wanted to go back under law. Now, the reason that Galatians is important today, because most people, and it is kind of coming back, but most people aren't going to fall into the whole, you got to go back under the Torah thing. However, in the church, how many of you know, we can put some laws on folks. <laughs> we can put some laws on folks in the church that God didn't put on you in order for you to get saved. And the Bible says that, you know, one of the things that we want to see is that whenever the Lord was around sinners, he didn't hold his nose. He didn't. He didn't hold his nose. In fact, he rubbed elbows with sinners. He allowed a prostitute to wash his feet. He ate with thieves in the people that the world had rejected. However, he did not allow them to become his disciples until they repented. So Jesus kind of models how the church should be in operation. The church should go out amongst the world, amen, but we're also called not to be unequally yoked with the world. And Jesus never yoked himself with sinners. He just ate with them, fellowship with them. In other words, offered himself to them. And some of them received him, like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a beautiful story of a sinner who saw a Savior who believed and changed, who believed and repented, who believed and gave back all that he had stolen. Amen? And this is the, this is the mark of a changed life. And one of the things that I would point out before we get into this, Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus to go give all that money back. Zacchaeus did it out of the, out of the prompting of the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Spirit that prompted Zacchaeus to go and give all that he had given and more. Amen? And so it wasn't a law. Jesus didn't say, right, if you want to do this, if you want to come with me, you got to do this, and you better keep doing it. It wasn't like that. It was a move and a leading of the Holy Spirit on Zacchaeus' heart. Amen? And so... Uh, with that said, we're, we're, we're going to get into verse number uh, 16. So Galatians 5 and verse number 16, we're going we're gonna to pick up a passage here, and then we're going to move over to, to chapter number 6 for a minute. So it says in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. And we're going to stop right there for a second, just real brief. Understand that the, the two things that Paul's talking about in this passage, one is the spirit, the other is the law. And it's not that they're it's not that it's against each other but he's just using it as an illustration that some of us are led by the spirit and some of us got to be led around like a dog by the law and Paul's saying there's a better way which is by the spirit it's allowing the spirit of God to lead you move you fill you amen it, 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 and others of us we don't want to obey God from the heart so we got to obey God from the flesh 
And so this is what he's, this is the dichotomy that he's talking about. And when you never allow the spirit of God to move upon your heart, you have to do the works of the flesh. And when you're doing the works of the flesh, your heart isn't in it. This is how you do the right thing, but you do it for the wrong reason. It is far different. It is far different when, when somebody is led by the Spirit. They may not know all the right things. They may bounce around like a ping pong ball. But if they're led by the Spirit, they're going to obey God from the heart. Amen? And they're not going to dwell and live in sin. But the person over here on the other hand who is led by the flesh, whose heart is not in it, amen, though on the outside to men, they may appear very sound like whitewashed sepulchers, like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They looked beautiful on the outside, but their heart was far from God, just like Isaiah said. Now, the Bible says in verse number 18 that if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law, period. Amen? Now, a lot of people have a hard time swallowing that verse. The Spirit is not going to lead you in opposition to the law, but the Spirit supersedes the law. It's, it's, not, an, it's not an against, it's a better than. Amen? It's a better than. Okay, now move on down to verse uh, number 24. It says, And they that are Christ's, would you raise your hand if you belong to Christ tonight? They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. In other words, those that belong to Christ have been crucified in the flesh. They have laid aside their fleshly desires. They have laid aside every worldly passion for Jesus' sake. They have esteemed the riches of Christ better than the riches of the world. They have wanted and desired God's face, not the face of men. You see, the, the, those that belong to Christ live a crucified life. It is a life lived that is crucified, set apart, sanctified, a living sacrifice unto God. This is the, the, the ones, the believers, the Christians, those that belong to Christ live a crucified way. Amen? But that's not all he said. He said, with the affections and lust, if we live in the Spirit, it's one of my favorite verses, if we live in the Spirit, I'm a spirit-filled believer. Da, da, da. It, you know, you can say all that. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit in other words if you're born again live like you're born again if you're a child of god walk like a child of god is supposed to walk if you say you belong to jesus you should live like you belong to jesus and not to the world too many of us live like we belong to the world but we name the name of christ but god here said if you live in the spirit that means if you're born again 
When Jesus said you must be born again to Nicodemus, he was saying you must be born from the Spirit of above. Amen? You must be born by the Spirit of God. By believing on Jesus, you are born again. And one of the things that you want to see, though, is if you are born again, you should walk in that born-again spirit. Amen? You should walk in that born-again spirit. Too many of us, when we got saved, we just kind of put everything in the closet. And God is telling us it's not just that time for salvation. The Holy Spirit is not just there to save us and fill us. The Holy Spirit is there to indwell us and to move upon us every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, every moment of our lives, we're supposed to be living full of the Holy Ghost. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled, what? With the Spirit, amen? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. And and too many of, of, of people that name the name of Christ would rather be filled with wine than the Holy Ghost. What's gonna do you better, the Holy Ghost or wine? Amen? And, and, and far too many of us are empty of both. I mean, some of us are living in the middle ground. God never wanted you to live in the middle ground. You, you, you're going to have to be filled with one or the other. Amen? <laughs> Don't teeter-totter. Go headlong in the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God fill you. Amen. If you live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. Now, why are we talking about all this? Well, because this. Number one is when when we're not walking according to the Spirit of God, when we're not living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, we have to keep the image up if we're going to name the name of Christ. We have to, in other words, go through the motions. This is what he's talking about. If you live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. Well, what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is people that were said that they were saved weren't walking like it. They weren't living. You know what we mean by walk like it? We don't mean you got to put on sandals like Jesus had on. That's not what we mean. When he, when he say walk like it, it means walk as he walked. Love your enemy. Hate evil. Serve God. Do, do what is right. Live a righteous and holy set-apart life. Amen? But don't think you're above everybody else. Be humble. Amen. This is how God is, is, is moving upon the hearts. And so he's saying, look, if, you, if you're not living and walking by the Spirit of God, you're going to have to fake it. You're going to have to fake it. You're going to have to go through the motions. And I know nobody here has ever gone through the motions. Nobody here has ever gone to church without feeling like it. Nobody here has ever gone through the motions because the Bible says, right, let us enter into his courts with what? thanksgiving in our hearts and and far too many times we entered into his courts with what what time are we getting out of here what time is he going to wrap it up (laughs) how many more passages is he going to hit I'm hungry I'm tired I'm ready to go right I didn't even want to come here I'm just trying to make my spouse happy (laughs) far too many of us do what we think is the right thing by our flesh. I was talking about earlier, you know, some people go to church because they don't want the pastor to call them. I'm t- if you belong to this church and you miss, I'll, I'm going to reach out to you. If I find out you live in a sin, I'm going to ask you what's up. That's, that's what I do. Amen? Why? Why? Because we're supposed to be holy and set apart. We're supposed to be the real deal. 
We're supposed to live for God and not men. We are supposed to be sanctified and set apart people. If we live in the Spirit, we need to be walking by the Spirit of God. We need to be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to be continually filled by the Spirit. We need to have the presence of God at work in our lives. We need to understand God never asks us to do anything by our own strength or our own accord, but to lean on Him, to depend on Him. This is one of the things, you know, whenever the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, He's not saying so that you can swing from chandeliers, although that's fun and it's great. The reason you and I need to be filled with the Spirit of God is so we don't have to go through the motions in serving God. But we'll do it from a heart of joy. Because when you've got the Holy Ghost in your heart, joy will fill the place. Joy will fill the place that nobody will be able to wipe the smile off your face. You won't have to sit there like... God will, God will animate your very being even when you're in a prison. When you've got the Holy Ghost, God will bring joy into your life. You don't have to go through the motions. You don't, you don't have, it's, it's not trudging. It's not trudging. You're not sludging away. But the Holy Ghost will animate you in a way, amen, that will bring joy into your life. That will bring joy into your life. That's what we were talking about earlier, Psalm 16. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. The presence of the Lord. Don't tell me you've got God when you don't have joy. Don't tell me you know God if you don't know the joy of the Lord. That's why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my what? My strength. My strength comes from what? His presence. Put those two passages together. Put them together. Use the Bible. Use the Bible. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Put it together. What does it mean? If you've got God in you, you've got the joy of the Holy Ghost in you, and if you've got joy in you, it will become your strength. It will become a source of strength in your life. Amen? So we won't have to fake it till we make it. We won't have to smile when we're despising them on the inside. We won't have to go somewhere and not want to be there. We will go with a heart of service to God and to men. Because the Bible says, that Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love God. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and what? Strength, which comes from what? Joy, which comes from what? The presence of the Lord. Oh, I've got the Holy Ghost. You got no joy and you got no strength, but you telling me you got the Holy Ghost? You might need to check those Bible verses again. You might need to get you a chain reference Bible and, and run those references on that one more time. Because if God's at work in your life, he's going to bring joy. Amen? Now, don't mistake joy and happiness. Joy and happiness are way different. Happiness, happiness can be bought. You can buy happiness with a candy bar. Yep, happiness can be bought. Happiness is about your condition. Amen? Joy is your position. Joy is where you're positioned in God. See, if, you, if you're in the right position, you've got the joy of the Lord. No man can take the joy of the Lord from you. It, they can spit on you and you'll smile and bless them. 
Amen. You know how many saints of God were martyred for, for, you know, you look at people like William Tyndale and all these people in the Bible and in the Reformation times, whenever they were, whenever they were transcribing the Bible, amen. When they were transcribing the Bible and the, the Catholic church was after them and burning them at the stake, you know what they said? They gave their life for God. They gave their life for God willingly, willingly with joy in their heart for God. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And that's the kind of people that God needs today. God needs people today that want nothing more than his presence. God needs people today that are fed up with the world system. God needs people today that are fed up with the religious world and want him alone. God needs people to come after him, to seek him. Amen? Just like he said about David, he was a man after God's own heart. That's the kind of people that God's going to use in this hour because this world doesn't have the answers that God has. This world is running its head into the wall. It's looking for all the answers at the wrong places. This world is running to world leaders and, and, and political parties and looking for political solutions. And the church has the answer for the world and it is at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus is where we find who we truly are. Now, let's move on over to chapter number six and get where we wanted to get into tonight. One of the things that I want to show you is verse number seven, Galatians six and verse seven. It says, be not deceived. It's easier said than done. But if you know the truth, you won't be deceived. If you know the word of God, no man can deceive you. Listen, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. A couple of things that I want to point out on this is you can't play pretend with God. You can't play pretend with God. Why? Because God knows why you do what you do. You may help somebody out. You may lend them a hand, but God knows why you did it. Some people do it so they can get their name on Facebook. Some people do it so they can get their name written in lights. Some people do it so they can get thanks from men, but other people do it because they're motivated by the Spirit of God. And only God knows the difference. And here's the other side of that sharp two-edged sword. God's not mocked. God, don't be deceived. Don't let your flesh lie to yourself. God's not going to be mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from it. Amen? You go through the motions and you serve so that you can get the thanks of men and the esteem of men. God knows why you did it. And you'll get your thanks here and now but not in glory. God knows why we do what we do. You can't play pretend with God. You know that you can fool everybody else? There's a lot of people that look like godly men in pulpits that are bound by pornography or in adulterous relationships. There's a lot of women in churches that are in, in, in all kinds of things, in all kinds of sinful relationships. You can fool a lot of people, but you can't play pretend with God. God knows why you do what you do. 
God knows a fool when he sees one because God sees the hidden man of the heart. I want to talk to you about mocking God for a second. I'm going to talk to you about mocking God. How would we mock God? You, every time, every time we go through the motions, we're mocking God because we don't think anybody else found out, so we think we're getting by. But if we're not broken and contrite over it, we are mocking God. If we're not broken and contrite by going through the motions, we're mocking God. Watch this. Mocking God has its sources. Uh, one of the first examples you see that is, how many of y'all remember the story of Elijah, right? In 1 Kings chapter number 18. One of the things that he did, he, he brought up all those prophets of who? Of Baal. He brought them all up there to the mountain. You remember what he did? He said, y'all call on your God, I'll call on mine, but I'm going to pour water on my sacrifice. Uh-huh. You remember what he told them? He said, call on your God. He must be sleeping. He must be running after something. He must be busy, right? We would, we would be saying, he must be playing on his phone. He must be too busy. He must, he must not have call waiting, right? He must be on the other line. He, but Elijah mocked them. He said, come on, call on your God. He must be sleeping. He was mocking their God, wasn't he? Why? He was saying your God is, is not able to know what you're doing because your God's not real. Amen? He said your God's not able to know what you're doing because your God doesn't exist. And when we go through the motions... When we go through the motions, we allow ourselves to go through the motions. Amen. When we know we're not right, but we, we keep that outward appearance up. When we do that, you know what we're doing? We're mocking God. We're mocking God because we don't think that God's going to catch us. We don't think that God's going to deal with us about it. As long as nobody else knows my issue, I'm all right. Well, I want you to know that's a lie from the devil. Nobody else needs to know your issue, but you need to confess it to God. Your, your, your mediator, your intercessor, your mediator is Jesus Christ. He says there's no other mediator given under, un, unto us except for the man, Christ Jesus. He's our intermediary. He's our mediator. And he's the one we're supposed to bring our issues to. But if we're not bringing our issues to him, but we're keeping up this religiosity, we're mocking God. And God, listen, God's not going to be mocked. God's not going to be mocked. Let's continue this on. So he said, don't be deceived. That was the beginning. Don't be deceived. You know how many, you know how many um, Christians, quote unquote, are living deceived, spiritless lives? Amen but they appear to be religious leaders. What are you leading if you're not leading by the Spirit? Okay, be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man... Oh, yeah, I looked this word up, whatsoever. Because, you know, a lot of times people will use this... Well, not a lot of times, cause, but sometimes people will use this passage to talk about money, right? Yeah, you, you, you give in, God will give out, right? God's not an ATM, okay? God's not going to be mocked. God knows why you do what you do. God, God rewards by the heart. But listen, I looked up the word whatsoever. It's amazing. You know what it means? 
It literally breaks it down to whatsoever. It says it's a compound of three words, whatsoever. And it basically means whatever. Whatever. So whenever you're looking at this, this applies to every aspect of our spiritual lives. Listen to this. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, I don't need to go into the whole sowing and reaping, you know, diatribe. Y'all know that. Whatever you put in the ground, you're going to get out. You, you plant in the ground tomato seeds, don't be mad, you know, if you get tomatoes. You, you put them in the ground, you're going to get them. Amen? And when it comes to the spiritual things, when you sow to your flesh, don't be mad when all this flesh stuff starts popping up. you the one that did it. God's not going to be mocked. You sow to the flesh, it's all going to come out in the wash. That's what my grandma used to say. It's all going to come out in the wash. What does that mean? It means it's all going to come to the surface. The light is going to shine on it all. Everything's going to be seen at some point in time. You can't hide it all, all the time. Amen? So if you sow to the flesh, if, if you're not partaking of God, if you're going through the motions, if you're not praying, and you're not fasting, and you're not feasting on the Word of God, if you're not partaking of Jesus in the way that you should as a believer, if you're not being continually filled by the Spirit of God, guess what? You're sowing to your flesh. Whatever it is is coming between you and God. Whatever it is is going to come back to bite you. God's not mocked. When you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. Amen? Whatever you sow to, you're going to reap from. And, and, and this, this is a beautiful passage. You can kind of think of somebody that plants a tomato thing. Have you ever seen tomatoes come out of the ground? How many of y'all ever seen those tomatoes that just won't stop producing? Amen? They just sometimes some tomato plants just won't stop producing. And I kind of uh, envision that about someone who's sown to the flesh, right? When, you know when you do things that you shouldn't do and everybody starts finding out about it. He's like, will this ever stop? Will this ever stop? Well, you know what the best thing to do in that circumstance is? Is to go open-palmed to God and say, Lord, uh, I messed up. Here I am, God. I need your mercy. Amen? And you know what? God is merciful. God is merciful to those that will confess their sin. It says that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. See, God's good like that. But, but it takes you confessing. The, the word confessing in, in 1 John 1, 9 is one of my favorite one of my favorite studies is it's agreeing with God. That's what it means to confess God's word. It means to agree with God's word. It means to say, you know what? I'm wrong. God's word is right. So I'm going to do or believe whatever it says. That's what it means to confess. Another way, an, 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 another way of, of looking at it is this. Now, I know that this illustration, I used to give this illustration in prisons a long time ago, but it doesn't really hold water anymore because of the condition of our world. But you know what? Somebody, I could stand up here in front of you tonight and I could say I'm a girl, right? I could say it, but I can't confess it. Why? Because it's not true. 
You can only confess what is true. You can say anything, but confession is when you line up with what is true. That's what confession is. So when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, it's when he's your Lord. Amen? So um, continuing in this, it says that God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, the, the, the word corruption there, you, you ever remember those times in your life when you weren't living right? And you did stuff you shouldn't do? That's that word corruption. That's what that brings into our lives. In other words, things that make you ashamed. Things that, that make you just kind of hang your head down. Things that you're not proud about. That, those come from experiences where we have not been led by the Spirit of God. The, the Spirit of God will never cause you to hang your head in ashamement. Amen? You may bow your head in humbleness, but not in ashamedness. Because that is a work of the flesh. Whenever the flesh starts popping up and you start reaping from what you've sown, it brings corruption. Listen, not nine out of ten times. You're not the exception to the rule. You want to dibble-dabble in drugs or alcohol, pornography, or you want to be overly flirtatious with somebody at work, whatever it is. You get involved in things that you shouldn't be involved in, and you're going to suffer for it spiritually. You're going to miss the best that God has for you spiritually because you're not being led by the Spirit of God. This corruption that this brings into our lives is four uh, definitions this is I, I get most of my different definitions either out of Strong's uh, you know Greek or or out of uh, Tories or Thayer's but this one uh, 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 is Thayer's this corruption means these four things destruction destruction that's fun how many of you ever have your life destroyed how many of you ever been down to the bottom uh, yeah that's not fun. You know why we got there? Because we were sowing to the flesh. We were sowing to the flesh. And we reaped. We reaped the harvest. Amen? And you know what? Sometimes we didn't get enough, and we got to go back down for seconds. Till we learn. Till we learn. And you know what? This is how God operates. God operates in seasons, and he operates in sowing and reaping. This is how God operates. And, and every single time somebody sows to the flesh, they're going to suffer for it. They're going to suffer for it every time. Nine out of ten times? Nope, every time. It brings destruction into life. It brings things that perish. Things that perish. Every ungodly relationship. Things that perish. Every ungodly, unholy union will perish. Things that perish, things that are not of God will be destroyed. Corruption brings uh, de destruction. It brings things that perish. It brings, listen to this one. How, how, how many of you want some of this? Misery. Yeah. Nobody wants some misery. 
But that's what our flesh craves. Your flesh cannot stand the Spirit of God. Your flesh is fighting you. This is why every time it's time to pray or get into the Word of God or obey God in any matter, your flesh always gives you an excuse about why you shouldn't go to church, why you shouldn't read your Word, why you shouldn't believe God and obey God, why you shouldn't do this and do that. This is every single time your flesh wants to see you destroyed. Your flesh absolutely hates the Spirit of God. Your flesh does. But the Spirit inside the believer cries out for God. The Spirit inside the believer, this is where the deep cries out to deep. This is where you get those inner groanings of the Holy Spirit working inside you when you're missing God and you want some more God and the, the Holy Ghost just begins to brew deep down inside and you get those, well, you used to call them those holy groanings. Oh, God. You know, some saints of God pray more in those kind of prayers than most people pray in 30 minutes. They, you can say more by the, by the groaning of the Holy Ghost in one phrase, amen? Because God knows why you groan, amen? It's kind of like Spurgeon said, it, that tears are language God understands. He knows why that tear hit the ground. God knows. You don't even have to tell God why I came. God knows that language, amen? God knows it. Well, that's the same way it is with the groanings of the Holy Spirit. When you groan and you go, oh, God. God and you, and you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost God knows what you're saying God knows and listen listen that's what your flesh loathes but your spirit craves amen your spirit craves and your flesh loathes now so misery comes now now let's just think about this for a second we, you remember whenever a uh, pastor was talking about earlier I was saying you know we need to run those cross references again remember the presence of the Lord is the fullness of what joy and the joy of the Lord is the what strength yeah yeah strength and you know what you know what isn't that the opposite of misery that's the opposite of misery isn't it the joy of the Lord. It's a counterpart to misery. You see, these things are in opposition one to the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. You've got to choose who you're going to serve, whether it be your flesh or whether it be your spirit, whether you're going to be led by the Spirit of God or whether you're going to be led by a religiosity collar. You see, if, you, if you're going to have to be a slave driver to your flesh, you're never going to experience that joy of the Holy Ghost. You're never going to experience that joy, that freedom, that liberty. Amen? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what, guys? Liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Everywhere God shows up, God breaks chains. Everywhere God shows up, shackles fall. Everywhere God shows up, minds, minds are restored. Amen? Doesn't it say that he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a what? Sound mind. Every time God shows up, he restores order to our very being. He will restore the order even in our very minds. But misery is, is an exact opposite of the joy of the Lord 
the joy of the Lord versus the misery of the soul. You ever been around somebody that's miserable? I, I, look, I, I'm not talking, you know, I'm not talking about political parties or nothing like that. I'm talking about people that dwell on coulda, shoulda, I can't, they won't, we can't, we won't, they should've, I can't, I, I wish it was. Some people live to, to just pour out their misery. Why? You know there's an old saying, the misery loves company. You know that's very true. That's very true. Gossip's the same way. Gossip is the same way. The best, the best way to stop gossip is what? Don't listen. If you don't listen to it, there's no, there's no gasoline for the fire. The more you listen to it, the more you're pouring gasoline on the fire. And that's the way it is with misery. When you go, oh, really? Is it that bad? You, let's, let's, go, let's, let's rehash all this misery one more time. Instead of telling them, you know what? God can turn it around. God can turn it around. God can lift your soul. Even when, you've, even when you're in prison, right? Even when you're in prison, God can meet you in that prison cell. God can lift you up to heights unknown if you'll just get in his presence. If you'll get in his presence, God can lift your soul. You know what? You could owe money to every man under the sun. But God can bring joy in your soul. If you'll just get in his presence. You might, you might be in that spot where you say, God, I done did it now. I done got myself in a bind. I can't get myself out of it. I don't know which way to turn, but I know this. I better run to you. I better run to you. And Lord, I need your help. And you know what? God will do something for you. God will lift heaviness off of his children. I think, I think we just said where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. When you run to God, the heaviness has to lift. You get in God's, you get in God's presence, the heaviness is going to lift off of you. Amen. And God's going to change your misery into joy. He's going to change your misery into joy. The last, the last one on corruption is moral decay. This is the last definition on that. Moral decay. You know, you couldn't really um, summarize our generation better than moral decay. When I, when I read that, I, you, it's kind of, you can't miss it. This is our generation. Moral decay, that's us. We have allowed this generation to run right into the wall. We've allowed this generation to run right into the wall. Well, here's the danger. Here's the danger for believers. Here's the danger. God didn't come to give men better manners. He came to save their soul. He came to give them new life, not new manners. Because if, if, if a sinner finds new life in Christ, the manners will follow. The manners will follow. But see, one of the dangers that we have is trying to instill our manners on an unsaved unregenerated world it, 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 you you cannot sanitize ungodliness you can't sanitize ungodliness you they have to be converted we have to be people out on a mission 
spreading the gospel, giving the good news to those that are in darkness. They're in darkness, and we've got the light of the world. Not only do we have the light of the world, but Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Amen? And God has given us that message of hope and reconciliation to God in Jesus. In Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself. Amen? Isn't that what the Bible says? Isn't that what it says? And listen, we've got that message of hope. Our message is not, well, you better not say that. Oh, you better watch what you do there. You better clean that up. That's not our message. Our message is you need saved. You're out of the will of God. You're on your way to hell unless you repent and call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our message is a message that the world needs to be saved, not sanitized. God will sanitize them if we preach the right message with the Holy Ghost behind it. See, you got a whole other issue inside the church because some, too many of the church don't even know what it means to live consecrated, set apart, and holy. You say consecrated, set apart, and holy, people start putting cotton balls in their ears. He hit the back doors real quick. But you know what? That's the only way God's ever going. That's the only way God blesses a church. God's not concerned about numbers. God's concerned about purity. If God was concerned about numbers, Gideon would have had more in his army. God was purifying. God was whittling down till he had the right folks. And God got the glory because God had the right folks. Amen? God's not interested in numbers. He's interested in purity and the right folks. And if you're willing to live a consecrated, set-apart, and holy life, God will use you to do amazing things in a dark world. God will use you in great ways, but you've got to be willing to live set-apart, and holy and consecrated. And, and so much of the church world says, no, oh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me how to live. Well, you know what? God's the one that tells you how to live. If you're a child of God, you can't get around those verses in the Bible. You can't get around those things. You can, you know what? You can take scissors and cut them out of the Bible. You can get white out and white them out. You can get black out and black them out, but they still there. The word of God's still going to be there till heaven and earth pass away. It don't matter how much you don't like it, you better get used to it if you're going to be a child of God. God operates in holy, set-apart, consecrated lives of his children. He's not interested in how gifted you are. He's not interested in how beautiful you are. He's interested in how holy you are. That's what God's interested in. That's the people that God uses. That's the kind of church God is going to bless in this upcoming generation. That's what it's going to take to see a move of God in the world today is people that hunger and thirst for his righteousness. His righteousness. If that's the hunger and thirst of our soul, amen, it's going, it's going to pour out into other people's lives couple of things I want to just uh, follow up on in closing here. 
Um, so number n- number one, this corruption that whenever we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. That is destruction, things that perish, misery, which loves company. If you ever get on Facebook, you know what that's about. Um, and moral decay, which look out the window and you see the world going down, 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 down. Isn't it amazing? Don't you love that passage in the Bible? It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, what does God do? He lifts up a what? A standard against him. You know what the church isn't doing right now? The church isn't lifting up a standard. The church isn't lifting up a standard. You know what they're doing? They're lowering their standards. That's what the world, that's what the church, if we lower our standards, right? If we lower our standards, then we can reach. Now, that's not how it works. God calls people to be set apart. To be set apart. That's what he does. Now, let's finish this up. It says that if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap uh, corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, one of the things that I wanted to point out on this, and I'm going to try to be quick, real quick. In Matthew chapter number 6, if you remember, Jesus said, don't store up treasures where? Here. But where? Where should you store up treasures? In heaven. Where moth and rust can't destroy. Where thieves can't break in. And you remember what he said? Remember what he said after that? For where your heart is, there's what? There's where your treasure will be. You see, when you, when you sow to the flesh, you're showing God that you don't care if anybody notices. If you do the right thing, you know what? Most of the time, you're going to be misunderstood in the church world. If you're doing the right thing and living right according to God, there's times that people aren't going to understand why you do what you do. We were talking about it last week. I love Leonard Ravenhill. I think I got to throw one of his quotes in almost every message. But he said one time, Others may, but you may not. Others may, but you may not. What does that mean? Others might be able to go watch the ball game. Others might be able to go to the movies. Others might be able to go do this and go do that. But you know what? If God is calling you, if you hear God's voice, if you hear that voice crying out in the wilderness, come on now, if you hear God's voice calling you to be set apart, others might be able to do something and be just fine, but you may not. What does that mean? You better check with God. Whatever you do, you better check with God. You don't have to go and ask your pastor, should I watch this movie or not? I mean, you could. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Spirit of God The Spirit of God should be leading you, and you should be checking with God and saying, others may, but should I? Amen? Or will this grieve the Spirit of God in me? Will this grieve the Spirit of God in me? Too many, you know, too many of us, too many of us, that question has never even entered into our minds. Too many of us, that question has never even entered our thoughts. Is what I'm about to do going to grieve the Holy Spirit of God in me? Far too many of us just think that's a verse in the Bible. But God wants us to live with that thought before we take one step. What I'm about to do, will it please God or grieve God? And everything that we do is one or the other. 
And it, it, it's determined by whether you're sowing to the flesh or to the spirit. Now, one of the things that I want to just close with, um, look at this last verse, and I'm going to show you something. It says in verse number 9, And let us not be weary in what? Well-doing is equated with living a life in the Spirit, okay? Let's not be weary in well-doing, but what? For in due season, we shall reap if we what? You know what that implies? It implies if you're a quitter, you might not see the blessing. Oh, man, that hurt. That hurt. The implication is you can give up on God before God gives you a breakthrough. The implication is you can stop, give up, roll over, and play dead right before God's about to move in your life. It says that you will reap if you faint not. Feigning, if you think back, God's amazing how he does this, the sowing and reaping, right? You sow, you don't go out the next day and look. I do. I mean, I do. I'm trying to grow some grass in my yard, and I'll put out some seed and water it, and the next, I took some pictures, and the next day I'm looking and taking pictures again, seeing anything sprouted up yet. That's what we do, right? But you know what? You don't reap right away, do you? You got to give it time. It's got to fester, don't it? It's got to fester. Fester for good or fester for bad, but it's got to fester. But you know what? Once it festers, it's coming up. Whether it's to the flesh or to the spirit, it's coming up. Amen? It's coming up. Well, one of the things he says here is that in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. So we shouldn't be weary in the middle. In the middle. If you live and you obey God by the Spirit of God, listen, child of God, don't faint. God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. Now, look, you should be storing up those treasures for heaven, right? People on earth may not see all that you've prayed for. People on earth may not see all that you've done. You shouldn't be doing it for them anyways. If, if God impresses on your heart to go help somebody out, God impresses on your heart. Look, you might see a neighbor, right, that's struggling to buy groceries. You go buy them a house full of groceries, right? You don't have to put it on Facebook. You don't have to let the world know. In fact, Jesus said, you know what? If you want, if you want the glory of men rather than God, that's what you'll get. That's your reward. That's your reward. You want everybody on Facebook to know you bought your neighbor's groceries? That's your reward. But you know what? That won't help you out one bit in heaven. Because you did it for the attention of men, not God. You see, the Bible says we're supposed to give what? With, the, with one hand and not let the other hand know what we did. Right? What does that mean? It means... That means do it unto God and walk away. Let God handle the results. But far too many of us, far too many of us, when we don't see the harvest coming in in time, 
right? I've been, I've been reading, I've been praying, I've been doing it for three days, and I don't see nothing yet, right? I, I've tried to change my life. I've been doing this and doing it, and it, things are getting worse, right? Well, worse according to what? Are you looking, are you looking from flesh, or are you looking from the Spirit? Because if you're looking according to the flesh, yeah, the flesh is going to lie to you. The flesh is going to tell you things are getting worse. The closer you get to God, your flesh is going to say, things are getting bumpy, you're messing up, stop, stop. The closer you get to God, your flesh is going to flash all the yellow lights and red lights and everything and tell you you're messing up, you're going to hit the wall. You're, you're. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, on the other hand, says keep going, keep going. Don't turn around. Don't turn around. Press forward. Amen. Press forward. Get in God's face. Press forward. Keep going. Amen. The Spirit of God says, come, come. You know, that's what Jesus said, isn't it? Come unto me who? All you who are labor and heavy laden, and I'll what? Woo, rest for the soul. Amen. Rest for the soul. Rest for the soul. Let me show you something in the book of Haggai. Threw that one on you, didn't I? It's um, you know, one of the one of the awesome things about the Word of God is is how everything just kind of fits together in the Word of God. Everything fits together, and one of the things um about Haggai we're going to go to chapter 1 verse number 5 it says in verse number 5 are y'all there it's page 813 it's right after Zephaniah it's real close to Matthew just go backwards a few pages from Matthew how about that Haggai I'll give you just a second while you're getting there uh, uh, you know we're going to be closing in this but I want you to know this that, that God God's not mocked right God's not mocked you can't play pretend with God, and whatever you sow to, you're going to reap from. Not nine out of ten times, but every time. But you know, sometimes things don't happen the way that we think it should. Look at verse number five. It says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Let me just say this. In all of the sowing and reaping going on in your life, best thing I could tell you is, Consider your ways. Consider, weigh your ways against God. Consider your ways means, you know what, examine. You know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is in, in 2 Corinthians uh, 13. Examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. If you're not willing to do a self-examination against the word of God, you've got an issue. Consider your ways means examine the way that you're living against the way God says you should live. Amen? And don't be one of those, you can't tell me how to live kind of people. Because God don't play that game. God don't play that game. Okay, consider your ways. Verse number six. You have sown much and bring in little. Huh. You eat but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. 
you clothe, but there is none warm. And he that earned wages, earned wages to put it in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What, is it, what, are, what are we talking about here? You know what? Sometimes, and James talks about this very issue. He says, you know, you, you desire, but you can't have. You ask, but yet you ask amiss. Why? Because you're asking for the wrong reason. That's what James said. That's, that's why, because we do things for the wrong reason. Because we're sowing to the wrong thing. Far too many of us sow to the flesh and we look for the harvest of the Spirit. And it ain't coming. It ain't coming. You, you can sow to the flesh and sow to the flesh and sow to the flesh. And you can look out that window. Well, where's all the blessings? Where's all the blessings? They're not coming up. God's not going to be mocked. You, you can sow to the flesh, and look, you can do it with a smile. You can do it with a tie on. You can even wear a coat, right? You wear a coat, tie, you can smile, but you can sow to the flesh. And you know what? When it's time for the blessing to come, you're going to not see it. You're going to wonder why God's not moving in your life. Where's the joy? Where, where's the Holy Spirit? Where, where's that fullness of God in my life? And God's saying, you keep sowing to the flesh, but you want to reap of the Spirit. What I would say is, you need a reality check. But what God said is, I'm not going to be mocked. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of it. Stop thinking you can sow to the flesh and reap of the Spirit. God is not going to allow us to play pretend. If we want God, let's sow to the Spirit. Then we won't have to look for those blessings. They're going to overrun us. You, you sow to the Spirit, you don't have to look for the blessings of God. If you live, if you live and move in the Spirit of God, if you not only live in the Spirit, but walk in the Spirit, and you keep sowing to the Spirit, you don't have to look for blessings. They're going to overpower you. They're going to overcome you. They're going to follow you wherever you go. God's going to bless you when you come in and when you go out. God's going to bless you everywhere you turn. God's going to be with you. No man's going to be able to stop you because God's hand is going to be on you. God's favor will be on you. But you know what? It all starts with what you're sowing to. Amen? And here's the thing. Only God knows. Only God knows whether you're playing pretend or not. And that's the beautiful thing. Amen? Everybody else can look objectively and say, well, you know, I thought that you was right with God, but you, you wore the wrong kind of tie. Okay, maybe I didn't get the memo. <laughs> maybe I will now. But I'm, I'm being silly, but, you know, from the outside, you can only objectify by what you think somebody should do. Amen? But God, listen to this, please, and I'm closing. God knows why they do what they do. And God knows why we do what we do. Amen? And 
number one thing I could tell you is if you're not seeing God's blessings, if you're not seeing the tomatoes come up, right? Remember when my mom used to grow tomatoes? I mean, we made hot sauce, spaghetti sauce. We made this. I mean, we, we had tomato everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. They wouldn't stop coming. I thought, will those tomatoes ever stop? Every day, my mom, go pick the tomatoes. Again, I got to go pick them again. You know, but if you sow to the Spirit, if you sow to the Spirit, that's how God's blessings will be in your life. God's blessings will just keep coming and coming and coming. And God, and you know what? And I'm not talking about materialistic ways, guys. I'm talking about the Spirit of God in you. I'm talking about knowing when the lights go out, God's there. That's a blessing from God. When the bottom falls out, you fall on God. It's a blessing right there to know when the storm comes, God's with me. Amen. It's a a blessing to know that whoever comes against me is coming against God. That God is the one that fights for me. Because God fights for his children. Amen. God is on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? These are the blessings these are the blessings of God that will just overcome and just keep coming up if you keep sowing to the spirit. Amen. If and, and and in closing, if you're not seeing those blessings, if you're not experiencing God like that, do what it says in Haggai. Consider your ways. Put it before God. Say, God, am I doing things right? Am I, am I doing things so that men will approve? Or am I doing things so you'll approve? Simple way. Simple. I love, I love simplistic. I love simplicity. Ask God why I do what I do. You know, I got to ask God why I preach. I put it all before him. Why do I do it, God? Am I doing it for you? Or am I doing it for the for the you know accolades of men which obviously not right well you got to consider it because our flesh is involved so we have to put it before God and ask God why am I doing what I do God consider your ways don't let your heart deceive you amen but let God give you light amen father Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, God. We thank you for the power of your spirit that is breaking through the walls that our flesh has built up. Lord, we pray that you would continue to knock those walls down by the power of your spirit. 